film listeners, I'm Josh Wall, and frankly, I love movies. Welcome to my podcast where I dissect films with fellow film enthusiasts and figure out why we love the medium so much. It's the first episode of our brand new series, Frankly, I Love Movies, in the real world, and that's right, I can't do this alone. I have brought on my good friend and former film guest, you know her, you love her, the wonderful Lexi Cutmore is here, woo! Yes. I'm always happy to be here. I love it. We're so happy to have you. Um, So why don't you describe to listeners what it is we're doing here? What is the series? What do we want to accomplish? What are we looking into here? Okay. So I think the thought between the two of us when we kind of sat down and said, hey, let's do another recording was we both took a lot of interest in movies that were based on real life. Mm -hmm. And I think it's impossible to make up things that happened. Yes. You know, uh-huh. the best stories come out of things that you're like, do you ever hear about this story when this guy or this girl did X, Y, Z? Those yes. are the best things to break down because in some way or another, it ties back to your life, my life, mm-hmm. whoever's watching the film and your own interpretation kind of comes into play with that versus, you know, something that's formulated and people want you to have some kind of takeaway with it like true stories i think you and i are going to find that your interpretation what you get out of it and what i get out of it are totally different right for sure i mean and it's also one of those things where you know truth is stranger than fiction Mm -hmm. so you automatically have a built-in amount of tension in the drama but as from a series and podcasting perspective um there's so many of these movies you know they get made so frequently throughout the years and it's a very um, popular part of you know people's movie going experience also a lot of these movies can be seen as like oscar bait or at least going to be you know recognized by the academy during award season because you know our audiences very much value the idea of a true story come to life and the mm-hmm. lead performance usually you know we've had so many of them and we obviously have a lot of even more recent ones but we're not going to talk about those right now <laughs> we're not going to also um, let you guys know which movies we're doing throughout. You'll have to go follow us on social media mm-hmm. to uh, get some clues as to what episodes we're doing. We're on uh, Instagram, Frankly I Love Movies, same as on Facebook. So you can check out there every week before the episode comes out. We will have clues as to what the uh, the film in question will be going uh, to be with uh, lovely artwork done by the always fabulous Rihanna Henson, which is um, very exciting. But, uh, but today, what are we talking about today? This was a pick of yours because it's very special to you. What film are we talking about? We are talking about the 1997 biopic, Selena. Yes, we are. All about um, the famed uh, Latin American singer, Selena uh, Quintana Perez, uh, and the uh, tragedy of her death when she was uh, 23 and her rise to fame. And that's kind of like the selling point of this movie, mm-hmm. I feel, because like even on HBO where I watched it, it's like, all about a rising star who faded too soon. And it's like a lot of people know her because of her death and um, obviously and her music. She was incredibly popular. But that infamy surrounding mm-hmm. her, um, you know, surrounding her life and how short it was is an added, um, you know, sense of recognition for this film. Uh, why did you pick this and what is your relationship to it? So as far as I can think of, this is probably the first based on a true story movie to have a significant impact in my life. Mm -hmm. I don't know about you, but my family followed her very closely. Obviously, this was before I was born. Mm -hmm. But um, we're not Mexican, we're Puerto Rican. But hey, your choice of females 
in the industry, especially at that time, were extremely limited. Yes. So I think, you know, for my family, this was representation mm-hmm. for us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, watching somebody go from poverty to the glitz and the glamour. I mean, she was very showy in everything she did. Yeah. So from a child's standpoint, it caught my eye to begin with, even though it ended in tragedy. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I, I was not incredibly familiar um, with her um, body of work. I, when I was watching the movie and like a lot of the songs were going by, some mm-hmm. of them had like some glimpses of memory where it's like, oh, that sounds very similar. Her big like English language pop hit Dreaming of You, that was a song I was like, oh, I've definitely yeah. heard that song before. OK, so like that was like a, but I did. I wasn't like super familiar with her story or like even that this movie honestly really existed. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's like obviously a, a, a point of ignorance on on my part. <laughs> but um, like you said, it's from 1997. It is directed by uh, Gregory Nava, probably the most famous movie that he made. Um, mm-hmm. It stars Jennifer Lopez as Selena and Edward James Olmos. As uh, her father, uh, Abraham Quinciera Jr. Yeah, he's um, and this movie's interesting, you know, because I think it's one of those cases where the family member had a lot of influence mm-hmm. in the film. Abraham was a uh, an executive producer yeah. on the film and was like kind of through the whole process from beginning to end. And usually, when you hear something like that. You, it gives you a bit of pause yeah. because like on, on a surface level, you're like, oh, OK, that's good, because then they're going to try and do it. That's like a firsthand account they have with them at all times. They want to mm-hmm. try and be as truthful as possible. But there have been like recent examples where that has sorely like kind of diminished the film. Bohemian yeah. Rhapsody being a big example of, you know, Brian May and Roger Taylor being a big part of making that movie. And I don't think that movie's that good personally, mm-hmm. but it's a very softened version of that story it's very clean for the most part um i am not 100 percent sure of like what kind of influence or like what differences are in the life of selena to what is portrayed on film based on what i was reading it seemed like pretty straightforward but like what information what information do you have as like the influence and what was changed of like during production um well i know take bohemian rhapsody for example brian may has gone you know, into interviews saying, no, it's not accurate, but it's supposed to be to the benefit of Freddie Mercury, where, you know, you're painting him in a better light than maybe the tragedy led to. I think in the case of Selena, we're looking at a different situation because Uh Abraham is often um, described as a patriarchal Mm -hmm. management figure, which Mm -hmm. is not good. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, a lot of things were taken out, which we'll get to at a certain point when it comes to how their religion came into play mm-hmm. and, you know, things of that nature where their beliefs really had an impact <clears throat> on her her career in general. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Being raised Jehovah's Witness. And right. I, w- I did read that and I was fascinated on how that is not mentioned in the film at all. Mm-hmm. And it's like you think that that would have some connection to the want of rise of power when i was watching this movie this is my first time watching and one thing i kept thinking of because you mentioned that they're describing him as a patriarchal figure i was thinking of like king richard that came out last Mm -hmm. year and how similar that again is a film that focuses on a a famous duo you know venus and serena Mm -hmm. williams but through the eyes of their father who was you know their manager and an incredible used his kids as a surrogate for success Mm -hmm. and really pushed them and mentored them quote unquote you know to get them to where they need to be brings up about those ethical questions of like 
what would you expose your kids to? How would you parent? Like, mm-hmm. was it justified? Was it not? Like, it, it brings in those questions. And, like, I was thinking, like, the first, like, half of this movie, or a fair amount of it, honestly, like, was doing that same thing. You get a good sense of um, who this guy is, why he put his kids through, mm-hmm. you know, this upbringing, his wanting them to succeed, and how ambitious he was having these um, almost instant I don't want to say get rich quick, but like ways to be like, this is a good financial, yeah. like starting, starting the band, starting a restaurant mm-hmm. and just being like, and then having to quit his job and like seeing like that level of ambition and drive to want what's best for his family, but taking it in a like very outlandish and, you know, kind of uh, questionable mm-hmm. way. I guess, and I think that is a is a big part of a lot of these biopics. Yeah. And, and there's definitely some that we're going to talk about where the family plays a large role um, in uh, in the person's trajectory and their path, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, getting them to where they need to be. I think that that is a also as just a, a convention of the genre, a pretty easy form of drama that people can get into yeah. because all family like all families like have their tumultuous parts um and this is definitely no different especially since like this movie is not in the way that it is a a family movie like it's about family and i think that's an easy way in to just be like oh i'm just kind of with like this big talented family for like a long time and that's i think that that's like a good a good way in for a lot of people yeah i mean you know talking about it from the lens of Abraham, you know, being an executive producer and being involved with basically the way the movie came together, it is a little self-congratulatory because the things that are portrayed, you know, he definitely had a hand in changing, like getting the kids into music, Mm -hmm. for example. Um, A.B., the brother, already was playing guitar. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, prior to Selena coming in and being like oh what's going on like you know and her singing there was already this interest from the kids but you get the sense of him stepping in and taking that liberty and being like ah no I did it yeah. it was me uh huh yeah for sure and you know being the one who tried to warn her about Yolanda her eventual uh the manager of her um her boutique mm-hmm. so when she became a fashion designer and eventually um who killed Selena and, you know, there's that scene in the film where, again, it's very much like I warned you or I wanted to I, I told you that this was not good. And mm-hmm. same with then showing like, oh, he got over how she quickly, um, you know, she started a relationship with uh, Chris Perez, who was the who was a guitar player in the band. Mm-hmm. And they eloped and they loved each other. And her father, like, completely disapproved of it. And they get through that point of conflict very quickly. He was like, I was I, I lost control, but now I've reached the part where I'm OK. He got through that in a day. you know. Yeah. <laughs> and as uh, so obviously, like in real life, you uh, he it took him a little a little while longer yeah. to get through that. But I, I think that that's a good you know, talking point with a lot of these movies is that I think it is at times easy or the widespread like instinct to go into these movies expecting to be like, this is how it happened. Mm -hmm. This is a document of this story. So I have to, I will take everything that is said truthfully. I don't mean that in a sense of widespread audiences are ignorant Mm -hmm. but like i think that that's a a normal instinct 
to have. This one, I think, is trying to be a bit more straightforward because it's really trying to get through the the beats of her life fairly quickly. But do you ever get bothered by how it deviates from real life or the true story? Like, do you go into these things hoping that it's a document or are you just looking for a good piece of work that has um, an influence of reality within it? I think it it depends on the film, Mm -hmm. you know, because this like knowing about Selena Quintanilla so well, I am bothered by the fact that certain things are omitted because it does play a big role in, you know, the film development Mm -hmm. as you're going along in the story. You know, sometimes it jumps over something or things are out of order and you're like, all right, well, that makes sense if you knew x y or z but if you don't have that how can you possibly put that formula together in your head yeah if i'm going into a movie that i don't know a lot about that's a different story right because if something's not necessarily portrayed the right way i fall into that kind of ignorance category where unless i go out of my way to be like oh was this actually how this happened i never know right you know i can't Mm -hmm. be bothered by it I would imagine that most people, most modern audiences going into the story had at least known about Selena because it was so soon after her death and how popular she was and winning the Grammy. And then like mm-hmm. this, this, this movie came out like two years or something after her death, maybe even I think just a year. I can't remember when, what year 93, she, 93. Okay. So it was, so it was a few years, um, but still an, soon enough to where she was mm-hmm. still in the popular consciousness and everyone still knew about her. And so I'm, I'm curious as to if that, like, um, you know, affected a lot of modern audiences viewing of the film. This film wasn't was like fairly well received, like mixed reviews mm-hmm. for the most part. It, it didn't necessarily become one of the more popular biopics. You know, I mean, it had a budget of 20 million dollars and, and grossed like 35 million dollars mm-hmm. in the U.S., which is not great. I mean, they made their money back, but like it wasn't like an instant like this is one of the classics or like immediate like not necessarily a classic but like one of the best biopics yeah. or one of the it wasn't an awards contender i think like overall people said that it was like it was it was fine it was mm-hmm. acceptable um but obviously your enthusiasm and connection to it made me very interested and i think it's a good one to start off because a lot of these also like the music biopic are such mm-hmm. a big part of this genre and we're starting with a music biopic. We're going to end with a music yep. biopic. And you'll find out what that is later on. But, I mean, what's the draw of the music biopic, right? You want to see the the lead performance who portrays the famous person. And you want to hear the music. And, I mean, in this, they deliver on both fronts. You know, you mm-hmm. got Jennifer Lopez in the lead. They got all, like, the, um, the music that you know and love from Selena, including her doing covers of, you know, I Will Survive mm-hmm. and... Um, Last Dance, you know, by Donna Summer. Like, that has to be a draw for you, too, right? You're like, I want to hear the music. Like, let's go, you know? Well, I mean, I grew up with, you know, two big cabinet speakers in my living room and my mom blasting songs by Selena. Mm -hmm. So to me, it was like, all right, well, let's just let's bring this to life. Let's go. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Yeah. When was the first time you saw the movie? I had to have been maybe four it was a long time ago that we're talking about. Yeah. Um, just because, like I said, this was something that, I, especially my mother, mm-hmm. took a big interest in. Yeah. And, you know, I think it was one of those things where they had it on DVD or cassette or whatever it had been at the time. And 
throw it in and it's like, well, we're going to watch Selena, you know? Yeah. So I, I don't know that it was like a, let's sit you down and, yeah. you know, really educate you here, kid. But uh -huh. it's definitely something that has always been a part of my life. Right. Yeah. Well, that's really special. Yeah. I love that. And I watched it for the first time last night. <laughs> so I'm excited to see the difference in what you took away from it. Yeah, no, for sure. I um, just give some general thoughts on that. I liked this movie. I, I thought it was like, I thought it was pretty solid. I thought that, you know, it has a good pace to it. I, I mentioned, you know, that uh, it, it did remind me of King Richard a little bit. Mm -hmm. King Richard, I found to be incredibly boring and not very interesting and not well paced at all. This, I thought, had a, a, a much better, like, use of its time. Mm -hmm. It, like, moves very quickly. I think most of, like, the first act is a little slow. The first yeah. 30 minutes is probably the biggest issue I have with the movie. But then once Jennifer Lopez comes on, you know, then the the engine really gets going. Right. And she's terrific. This is a great performance from her. And, you know, having somebody who, you know, can sing, can dance, can act, and, you know, was... A superstar at the time, you know, very, very popular. Um, you know, she's the heart, the beating heart of the movie, and it was so fun to watch her. Mm. And uh, I, yeah, and I also have some like things about the ending that we'll get into. But like yeah. overall, I was like very, very impressed at the the presentation of the movie. Um, the like, I was I was locked in for for most of it. I was like, all right, I'm I'm into this story. Mm -hmm. This is cool. Edward James almost is always great to see. You know, he's a legend from Stand and Deliver and Blade Runner and so many different things. And I I, I do like the family dynamic movies. Mm -hmm. There are movies like I mean I think it can be a bit of a tired trope, but like this one really has you understanding each character really well. There's like personality in every family member and you see their relationships with one another, how they bounce off each other. Like I love um, the actress who plays um, Suzette. I, I can't remember. Jackie what, Guerrero. Jackie Guerrero is, is great. She's mm -hmm. really fun. Uh, and yeah, just like seeing how they love each other and how like they clearly have this sibling dynamic between them and they're like overlapping dialogue. Like that's just fun to see. Mm -hmm. And I think it like they pull it off like really well. And I, I was surprised at how like, how much I did. I was like, oh, I enjoy this. It's very fun. Yeah. Like it is a very acceptable biopic. I don't find it offensive in any way. I don't find it. Um, I don't, it doesn't blow you away. Mm -hmm. At least me personally, I'm not like, wow, I couldn't believe that. But like, yeah. I think it like checks all the boxes. It is, you know, made clearly with a lot of heart and a lot of energy. And you know, it's, it's a good use of two hours. I mm -hmm. would say it's not, it doesn't overstay. It's welcome. Um, uh, yeah, I I enjoyed it. Like I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to dig into it. Um, do you have any other overall thoughts before we dive into the critical stuff? So watching it as an adult, obviously, like you know, you take movies in differently. Mm -hmm. One thing I really appreciate about it is that you have a really tragic story that you know you're eventually getting to. Right? right. We all know the lead up. We all know what happens. It's not a secret. Yeah. But there are so many like little lighthearted family moments thrown in there it mm -hmm. kind of alleviates it even though you know it's ending in tragedy like yeah. I, I appreciate the little comedic aspects that happen in the film yeah it's not it's not an overall sense of doom or gloom right. or like you don't feel sad throughout all of it because you're not just like oh she's going like we know she's going to die so it's not just like seeing the fading star mm -hmm. just like oh i like spending time with these people you know yeah. this is a fun uh like outing you know when they're 
when the bus breaks down mm-hmm. or when like they go to the mall or something, you know, you're like, all right, I, I, I'm enjoying this. And that does make the ending, you know, effective to an extent. But I, I do agree that it's not a it's not a haunted movie. It's right. not like, oh, this it's a ghost wandering through <laughs> this film, uh, which some biopics do to great to to great success. I mean, I, the film Spencer that came out last year with Kristen Stewart, I thought was fantastic. And that and that worked for that setting. But this is very much trying to match the personality with the music. Right. And I think they do a pretty good job at that. Yeah. And the music's fun. Like, the oh, music, it's so much the, fun. The music's very fun. It's very enjoyable. It's great to listen to. I'm, I'm definitely excited to listen to more of her stuff. Um, but I think with that, let's get I think we should get into the critical yeah. stuff. So let's move to the critical breakdown. I already mentioned, but like the the fact that Jennifer Lopez is at the center of this movie, mm-hmm. it's really hard to not, you know, just praise her um, for the physicality of her performance, the vocals, like, and she is like a really good actress. Like, I think mm-hmm. she like overall does a very good job, and it can it can be tough having someone who's known for singing, known for even like known for modeling, transfer to acting, and it can be really really tough to be like, oh, do they have the chops, but she does, and she's proven time and time again in mm-hmm. many movies that she is great, and you know. Amazing that she wasn't nominated for this, honestly, like just for the formula. Yeah. But she is really good. Like she does a really good job of getting you on her side and you believe her and she is emoting like a lot. She's putting a lot of energy into the performance. She doesn't stick out like she doesn't stick out in a negative way. Right. Because you can have some performances. You're just like, eh. You kind of took away from others a little bit. Yeah. It's because I think sometimes they like put a lot of faith into people who look like right the the star which i understand is a draw like you want someone who looks like mm-hmm. them but then you're like ah, this performance isn't really doing a whole lot like right i am not i i, I hate to keep bringing up bohemian rhapsody but it's such a <laughs> it's such a recent spot in yeah. this you know journey of like like i don't like rami malik as an actor like really at all and he looks like freddie mercury mm-hmm. they made him look like it which is great but his acting of just like his Rami Malek like stone face kind of like weird guy doesn't really work in that movie I don't think and he's not singing which is a whole other thing but um well you know that Jennifer Lopez is lip singing in this right all the way through yes oh I thought she was actually singing she so that was a decision that they made because it was so close to her death Mm. that she planned on singing I mean you take a singer it's like well yeah that's second nature but um she took lip singing classes uh, to learn how to act and it's very convincing it is very convincing yeah she's she's very good at it then um yeah because i i was like and it's she kind of sounds like jennifer lopez too so it's very it's very convincing and so i guess i tip my hat to the filmmakers in that sense um Speaking of lip syncing, I mentioned that the first like 30 minutes are probably the weakest part of the film. Mm-hmm. I think particularly because the girl who plays young Selena is not that great. No. And her lip syncing is atrocious. It's so bad yeah. when she's like in the um, when they're singing in the restaurant. Mm-hmm. There's like multiple times where like someone is singing in the background and her mouth is closed. And I'm like, no, oh, <laughs> it's hard to look at. Like, it's hard to watch. Um, but like. What what is good is that like again Edward James almost is really driving the driving the bus mm-hmm. in the uh, in the opening like to get the movie going yeah. because you see where he is you know and how he's passionate about music and have we have those like two quick scenes of him working in the group the Dinos mm-hmm. and how that passion led into his family and how he's in a completely different place now than he was back then. 
I mean, it is kind of like, all right, we got to just move through these two scenes to get him to be with the family and be like, yeah, <laughs> like it is kind of like th- that is something about the movie that is kind of funny in a way where it's just like, all right, we got to get them to be in a band. How do we do that? Mm-hmm. Oh, he's got a he's got a van full of instruments. He's just going to be like, we're going to be in a band. And the wife's like, practically given to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then the wife's like, it's just a hobby, right? Yeah, it's just a hobby. And then that's like, yeah. And then they're off to the races. Like there's a couple moments throughout that where they're just like, all right. This plot point's happening. It is? Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go with it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. They did kind of, I think, move as quickly as one could have uh-huh. because there was the whole, like, Selena y Los Dinos were, like, playing for weddings and parties and street corners, and it's like, I don't really care about that yeah. so much. Like, uh-huh. yes, it led up to her fame, but as a viewer, if they tried to draw that out, you would have been like, oh gosh get to the point yeah no they do a good job of like condensing that like just Mm -hmm. having them you understand it from them playing in in the living room to them playing at the restaurant and then that like random ass festival that they're at and how like they get booed like that is a good like condensing of that part of the story like i agree i think if they'd drawn it out and just been like a street corner and then a wedding and then like Mm -hmm. like there's other stuff we need to get to like you know so i think i think that's fine but I think it's just also like me as like someone who's not super into kids where there's a lot of whining in the first like 30 minutes yeah. of the movie too. And you're just like, ah, oh, it's like hard to listen to. But then again, once they're like getting going and actually interested in being in the band and then cut to the band is all grown up and Jennifer mm-hmm. Lopez is there, then you're like, all right, this is what I came to see. Yeah. Like, let's go. And it's so good. Like that part of it is like really interesting because I love the family. I, I think that they're butting heads with the dad is very mm-hmm. interesting. Um, and yeah, Edward James almost is, is great in the role. Like, I think it's, it's really fun to watch him. I think he's a great, um, you know, he plays the father figure really well. Mm -hmm. He's definitely not a father that I would want necessarily (laughs) like because it is this, again, it is, does bring about the question is like, what are his motivations for doing it is just like, he kind of wants to live through the success Mm -hmm. and feel that of something that he lost and I understand that, and that makes for good drama, but very much in my, like, I would not want to be in this family. No. Under any circumstance, I think that would be just awful. Yeah, not for <laughs> me. Um, I mean, the way that, you know, they're portrayed in the film does have, like, that fun aspect to it. The carnival scene is one of my favorite things when she first takes off the jacket. Yeah. And he's like, She's wearing a bra! Yeah, uh-huh. But that then becomes, like, her look, yeah, you know? Yeah, exactly, uh-huh. And, and it, again, that is a very especially for the music biopic that is a contention of the of a convention of the drama where mm-hmm. it's like the popular thing or the thing that they were iconic for it just happened during one random yeah. performance and then it's stuck like that or again in Bohemian Rhapsody when he like takes the microphone and like breaks it and then mm-hmm. he has that stand which is obviously what he was famous for Freddie Mercury um but that, that that's great you know I, I I love that I think that that's you know perfect and you can see and the kids come up on stage mm-hmm. with her and start dancing with her and that's really fun I, I wish I, I I would have liked a little bit more from the mother character yeah because I think in the beginning again in the first act there's some good conflict between her and the dad mm-hmm. and how you know her dream was just to be steady and just to like have security and safety and they had a house he had a job they were getting you know the bills coming in um, they were getting the bills paid, I mean, and they had the they had the kids. She was happy. And I think that could have gone a little bit further. Yeah. I think that's another thing about this movie that I was like, I, I, 
<clears throat> that I wouldn't say bothered me, but I noticed is that like I think they have ideas of themes mm-hmm. and character, you know, uh, arcs, but they don't fully get there for some yeah. things. I think I think that's one of them because the mom then just kind of ends up being like, you know, the person that Selena goes to and is like, scratch my head, you know, and mm-hmm. then that's kind of it for her. Um, and you get some good moments with Edward James almost as the dad being like, you know, you can't wear that, you know, showing the conflict mm-hmm. between them and how his role is. And when she, you know, wants to be in, uh, married to Chris, mm-hmm. she's like, I, I love him. And he's like, I will break up the group and disband it because of. Yeah. But when Yolanda comes into the picture and he says, you know, I think this is that we have a problem. I don't trust mm-hmm. this person because she was the head of the fan club and was misusing funds and um and she kind of just accepts it yeah but in this is a thing in real life where i think it could have really helped the drama Mm -hmm. is that she at first was like oh no i i like yolanda and like also that her dad had not trusted people that she had loved before yeah and that could have been a cool moment like we understand that he doesn't trust mm-hmm. this person because we see that he doesn't trust Chris or doesn't trust this other person. And so that could have led to more kind of internal conflict, like mm-hmm. after her death, like, am I responsible or like how, how much does that feed into it? Or it's like, I, I could have, I tried to warn her. I could have, you know, acted sooner. I could have mm-hmm. done this, but you don't really see that. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, I, uh, I, I think part of it again is, is how much knowledge you have about them as a family, because mm-hmm. they are, very traditional so i you know you have to wonder when it comes to say like the mother's role right Mm -hmm. i don't know how much influence she actually had on the day-to-day because i think a lot of that responsibility went to abraham by his own volition meaning that he Uh wanted to be the one in charge and she was just taking care of the kids making sure they were functioning on the day-to-day with basic needs right Uh uh-huh and then you know, when it comes to Yolanda, knowing that they're Jehovah's and they're very sheltered and mm-hmm. everything, you have to wonder, like, yes, in the movie, it seems like she's very quick to write off her dad, but they're they're sheltered people. Yeah. I mean, they didn't. Uh-huh. All they had was like the venues they'd go to and each other. Yeah. Uh-huh. So it it seems weird maybe to like me to think, oh, you're just putting all of your trust into this person. Yeah. But. You know, I I can't necessarily say, I mean, we couldn't guess that the film isn't projecting it in a way how it actually was, where she was just like, oh, I'm inclined to to be okay with you and I like you and here's all Mm -hmm. my things and I put all my trust into you. Yeah, Uh for sure. Yeah. And, you know, there's that leads to speculation. I'm just thinking of like how it could have like, again, just added to the Mm -hmm. drama of like just taking certain liberties, because I think the dad kind of becomes in the background a little bit yeah. in the third act, like after he accepts Chris into the family and then they get, you know, back into doing gigs. Right. He's not really in the movie all that much. It gets that. a little montage. It at gets that a little montage. We're kind of speeding towards the end, you know, trying to get like to the tragedy a little quicker. So certain characters just kind of, you know, fade mm-hmm. in and out. And that, to me, is kind of the messy point of the the film where mm-hmm. and then once the tragedy actually happens, 
it's like, oh, okay, now we're here. And it's like, yeah. oh, she's on a stretcher and then she's dead. And it's like, oh, mm-hmm. oh okay, I guess the yeah. movie's over. <laughs> like, it, was, it was just like so. And I understand they're trying to like, you know, paint like a pretty accurate depiction of it mm-hmm. being like so shocking and so how fast, you know, her her career and her life ended. Yeah, I understand that. But I was just like, oh, okay, here we are. <laughs> yeah, I mean, how are you feeling about the way that they decided to depict her death? Because I I personally wouldn't want to have seen the reality of it. It's very ugly. Uh-huh. But also, it's very, like, metaphorical, you know? Yeah, I, I agree that I wouldn't want to see a play-by-play. Mm-hmm. I think that it's made in a very like late nineties way of less frame rate, slow motion kind of way. Mm -hmm. And then the almost documentary style with the, the digital camera at one point, and then adding in the news montage thing with Yolanda in the car talking on the phone. Mm -hmm. And it's like, all right, a lot is happening that I feel like I'm kind of in the middle of. Yeah. And I think there needed to be just like, and again, I understand that it's like, boom, we're in it. Yeah, I, I, I understand that. But I think they needed to kind of just get into it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm not saying I need to see the the brutality right. or anything like that. But just from a pacing timing perspective, mm-hmm. I think we only get the middle of a sequence. Yeah, like I don't think we get the aftermath and we don't get the lead up very mm-hmm. well. You get all the necessary information from Yolanda. And so I understand but in terms of editing and actually pacing for that section, I feel like we're not it doesn't feel complete. Yeah, it, it feels very much like the middle, just the tension going, 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 going. And then it drops off and then it's just the the uh, the, the Astro Stadium stage mm-hmm. empty. And it's like, oh, OK, that was like 30 seconds. And I don't mind that we're spending or trying to get through it in less time. Yeah. But you have to make it. You have to structure it to where it like feels like an actual sequence. Yeah. You know, it It, it doesn't really work for me. A little jarring because, you know, you're going from this dramatically lit stage where she's singing Dreaming of You. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, I mean, the rose is the gunshot. We all know that. Right. Uh But it was like, boom, Selena Quintanera Perez has been shot like you're reading from the news and you're hearing all this stuff. And it's like, wait a minute. They were just talking And then we went to this singing scene and now we're back to the hotel where they were talking like it jumped a little bit. Yeah. Uh huh. You know, that's like my biggest issue, I guess, Uh is how they went about telling that. I would have rather had some kind of, you know, link from them talking to her being on a stretcher like together. Yeah. Instead of being separated by dreaming of you. Yeah. Uh huh. Or like do it from the family's perspective or something. Right you know, showing where they are on the day and how they like they get the call or something. Mm-hmm. And like, again, it has to be a sequence. Yeah. Right. Like, I just I feel like there's some parts of it that are missing. Mm-hmm. And then to just end it with them, you know, getting the news and, uh, you know, again, that slow motion where they're like hugging each other and they're crying. I just think it, it it's kind of a missed opportunity. I understand mm-hmm. they're trying to go about it in a way that's very digestible for modern audiences and they're not trying to make it overtly, you know, brutal or oh, yeah. emotionally devastating, which I think was smart and can, I think, but I think you can have both things, mm-hmm. you know, but then to just end it 
with a montage of pictures and footage of her mm-hmm. with the with the vigils in the background. I I like the sentiment, but I I still think there needed to be like one more scene with yeah. the fictionalized characters before you get to that. Like something else with the family. Something else with the family, some kind of I don't necessarily think closure, but at least some feeling that like okay, these characters have to now go on. Yeah. As opposed to the end of that sequence, it feels like the falling action hasn't happened yet. Mm-hmm. Because that is a very clear moment of change and to just leave it in that moment of sadness between between them as a group and to then just jump to the real life reaction to that, which I think yeah. you can still have, but that doesn't close this story. No. That's like an epilogue. I, I get what they were trying to go for mm-hmm. because it's a callback scene, right? You're, yeah. you start in the beginning, you're at the height of her career. Uh-huh. There are 67,000 people in the Houston Astrodome to watch her. Mm-hmm. And then it's empty. Mm-hmm. I get it, you know, because it's supposed to be like the, here's where we were. Here's how it ended. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. very dramatic. But it, there's such a long gap. There's two whole hours in between that. Yeah. You need something more. Uh huh. Yeah. And especially if you spend so much time with this family, mm-hmm. because one thing that I think the movie actually succeeds in is that this isn't a movie, you know, despite it being called Selena, this isn't a movie just about Selena. Right. All the other family members, they're characters, mm-hmm. you know, Suzette, A.B., Chris, you know, the mom, the dad, they're all characters. And so to just end it with the way that her story ended, mm-hmm. I think you're kind of cheating a little bit, you know, yeah. like from from the story that you've set up. And it's just a little strange to then, because, again, I think that's where the third act kind of falters, where they're like, all right, we spent all this time setting this stuff up and spend and giving you time to spend with the family. Now, when we get to the tragedy, I understand they have to focus that specifically on Selena and obviously Yolanda and a little bit of the dad. It, it feels so, you know, disjointed from the mm-hmm. rest of the movie almost. I feel like this movie could have benefited or maybe there was like a two and a half hour cut or something. And I would have watched it if mm-hmm. it was the same amount of pacing. But I think there's some connective scenes or tissue there that are like deleted or maybe they didn't film. I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm not against having this movie be two hours, but there are things that I think you need to pick and choose. Mm-hmm. I would have gladly taking out the scene where the bus breaks down and those two guys are like, ah, Selena's, you know, I would, I would have gladly taken that scene out to replace it with something that connects to the ending in the third act better because as it stands, they do such a good job and the whole second act is like really good. And then they rush the ending. Maybe you wouldn't have had as much of a sense of that. Cause I'm thinking about like Elvis, you mm-hmm. know, I know your big gripe is there's no character development Right. Yeah. with this. There's character development for pretty much everybody you see on screen at some point. Yeah. So when they get dumped off, it's like, Oh, but what about yeah. the, you know, AB and everybody else who's been involved the entire time? Like I can leave Elvis being okay because I never felt attached to anybody yeah. to begin with. And they have 30 characters. In yes. That movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it, it just feels a little a little cheated. I feel a little cheated as an audience member, like almost in a way, because because I cared and I mm-hmm. and I liked everybody and I thought like, okay. And it, yeah, I mean, I guess you could like say that it's like all the other characters are there to like just talk over one another. and But like that there's energy there. Yeah. There's energy and I feel like these are people and I, I like that. 
But I love, you know, how they have these these scenes where you feel like you're sitting with them, you know, yeah. on the bus where uh-huh. Suzette comes out and she was like, you see this cabinet yeah. on this big, beautiful, redone bus? Everything in it is off limits. And yes. you're like, oh, yeah, OK, I'm sitting with them and some shit's about to go down, uh-huh. you know, yeah. where they start fighting over the chips. And yeah. it's like very fun and lighthearted. And I can think of times with my family where we've kind of been like that. Yeah, absolutely. And all that is great. It has good energy and, you know, the fact that they're all helping each other with mm-hmm. the with the band and not only just being in it, but like moving equipment on and off mm-hmm. the bus and doing things together that way. And when they get when they reach number one, they hear it on the radio, mm-hmm. you know, like that thing you do. And they're like running and they're like, oh, my God, we're number one. Yeah. And they're like jumping up and hugging each other. That's really great. And you feel the triumph in that because mm-hmm. you understand how hard all of these characters have worked to get to that point. Every yeah. single one of them, because they're so ingrained in this project you know there's like seven people or something like that there's so many but you you don't get the same amount of development for everybody obviously no. but like you still feel like it's a group you right feel like you know them yeah you feel like okay i understand that there are more people that i'm gonna it feels like a friend group right there are more people in this group that i'm gonna be attached to more than not but there are mm-hmm. definitely gonna be some people who are just i'm are there in the group setting and i know them from the group setting mm-hmm. and that works like i really like that and again makes it all almost the more kind of upsetting that the ending only focuses on like one like only two of them mm-hmm. and again to kind of bring it back to king richard that's one thing that i think that movie kind of failed as because that mm-hmm. movie is about a very big family and they have moments where you're like oh okay i feel like this is a family but mm-hmm. the focus on will smith and just the bad pacing of that movie it really drags and it's very slow and it doesn't really pay that off in mm-hmm. any way i can't help but you know speculate with this film because Abraham was involved as an EP when it comes to the ending. I don't know as a father how much you would want to actually deal with that aspect of it. Right. So you have to wonder, like, was he one of the ones that was like, hey, let's just let's just get this out of the way. Yeah, that's true. It's entirely possible. And I I know that that's difficult to deal Mm with 100 percent. I'm not trying to diminish that feeling at all. No, the I, get, man, I 100% man, understand what you're saying. The man's not a filmmaker. You know, right. he the filmmakers should have come in and be like, "Okay, we can even if they like got through the tragedy itself mm-hmm. in the same way with two scenes on either end that were like 30 seconds just to lead us in and then some form of more positive moments of moving on mm-hmm. and feeling as though Selena's legacy will be known and remembered and something that they can latch onto and be proud of. But the ending itself, where they leave you, the tone doesn't match the rest of the movie. Yeah. And the rest of the movie is pretty positive. Yeah. The rest of the movie is pretty like upbeat and you're kinda going and mm-hmm. you're like, all right, let's keep let's keep it moving. Yeah. yeah. Um You get a yeah. couple tense scenes in there, you know, like yeah, but- Chris trashing the hotel room is mm-hmm. definitely one of the more like peak moments of stress. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Or when, you know, he's yelling at them and he's going to disband the group if he mm-hmm. doesn't leave or or whatever. But like for the most part, like you're you're going, yeah. you're, you're grooving. And so <laughs> to just end it there, it doesn't feel earned. The other thing I wanted to ask, Chris Perez in this movie is played by uh, John Seda, mm-hmm. I believe is how you uh, yeah. pronounce his name. He comes in um, in the beginning of the second act because they are looking for a guitar player. And this guy's like kind of he's a shredder, he's a heavy mm-hmm. metal 
player um, who AB takes a lot of liking to, who Abraham is apprehensive about because mm-hmm. he's a rock and roller and is like, uh, I don't really I don't really know about this guy. And then that's when uh, Selena and him start a relationship. What, what do you think of his performance? Um, he's definitely a supporting character uh-huh. and like like a textbook definition of a supporting character, I think. Yes. Because he obviously played a very important role in her life, but it's just kind of like, let's let's keep it moving here. Like, you know, right. he's involved, uh-huh. but you get a little hint of the romance between the two of them. But other than that, it's kind of like he's just there. Uh-huh. You know, that's my take from it. I don't yeah. mind him yeah. as a character. I think he has some like cute little moments, you know, like the hot sauce when they're sitting there and he's like, well, that's good. You yeah. know, like there's <laughs> has it in a holster. Yeah. yeah th- like there's some shining moments for him, but overall, like his role in the film is kind of lackluster. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you know, I'm kind of like, well, that's not why I'm here. So yeah. I can get over it. Yeah, that's true. Um, I thought his performance was not very good. Personally, I felt like he's not matching the energy or in th- or like emotion that. Mm-hmm. And obviously, like J-Lo has a lot more to give. Yeah, and it has a lot more to do. And that's not his fault. But in scenes like where, you know, when she's yelling at him about the trash in the hotel room or when she is you know, when they decide to get married and she's like, you know, you don't understand how I'm feeling. You don't, uh, you know, my dad, the only way that we're ever going to actually be married is if we just do it and defy Mm -hmm. his rule. He's like, ah, no, I'm not good for you. Like she is giving so much. Yeah. And he's just kind of like, no, it's okay. Like, you know, we'll be, we'll be fine. It's, it's just kind of stone faced, you know, it's, it's not the same level and I mean that guy he's gone on to have a successful career he's been mm-hmm. in a lot of stuff and that's great but I I wish there was just someone who could give like just a little bit more because he's just kind of like there yeah and he doesn't like even when he's like trash in the hotel or when like everyone's trash in the hotel room and he's just kind of sitting there playing the guitar and then later when he's by the you know dumpster on that you know random set of West Side Story that they got <laughs> um he's just like yeah you don't I'm not the kind of guy for you, you know, you don't, you shouldn't be with me. It's like, all right, let's ramp it up a little bit, you yeah. know? <laughs> like, I think maybe in some way they were trying to save face a little bit because Chris Perez just watched the film like last year for the first time. Ah, uh, interesting. And he was live tweeting with it and he, you know, like the hotel scene where he's sitting there playing his guitar, he's like, no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. I was rowdy when that <laughs> happened interesting so you, you have to wonder like is this meant to paint their relationship because it's a reflection on her in mm-hmm. a better way yeah i don't know i yeah i don't know i i definitely feel the connection between them mm-hmm. i just felt that his performance he's not really giving a whole lot and yeah. obviously yeah in in terms of like him as a character he's definitely taken the back seat to selena but because their relationship is so important and you mm-hmm. do spend time with them you know there's that scene where she's mowing the lawn she's like i want a farm i want kids and mm-hmm. that's supposed to be a tender loving moment between them you know or the scene where they're driving and they hear about the you know eloping on the radio yeah. you know you he's just kind of like there yeah. you know he's just like oh, i'm happy to be on a movie set yay mm-hmm. and it's yeah. like ah, he could have could have gotten someone who's doing a little bit more. Also, about the, the hotel trashing thing, because he, you know, obviously gets blamed for it, mm-hmm. and he's just sitting there. Are those with members of the Dinos or another, or the, like, friends of his? That's, like, the unclear part. 
Because I was I'm like, if they're members sure. of the Dinos, he's not the only one who should be in trouble for this. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's just like they were in a certain town and he knew some people and they kind of met up together. Because, like you said, why would Abraham fly off the handle and drop him off? Yeah. With just him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I get the other members of the Dinos overwhelmingly are his children, uh-huh. but yeah. it wouldn't make sense. Yeah. Because you also can't really see anybody's face in that scene. Yeah. Because they're all, like, in the bed and, like, uh, like rolling around and shit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, are they rowdy? And he's just kind of being passive about it. Like, I don't... I, that I was just kind of confused by. I, I, I kind of just came to the conclusion at that point where it's like, okay, he may have not been rowdy in that scene, but he could have mm-hmm. been earlier or something. So, yeah. you know, and he, and he doesn't deny it where he's like, you know... But it wasn't me. I mean, they were doing it. They got out of hand, you know? So I was yeah. like, okay, he clearly was, like, a part of it. Mm-hmm. But I just couldn't tell if it was... It was just weird that, like, no one said anything about those guys. Yeah, I, I think from maybe a filmmaking perspective, they were like, this scene really is just about him, uh-huh. you know? And yeah. how it's going to, later on, affect his relationship with Abraham. Yeah. Maybe that's why they were like, yeah, we're just going to focus on the one guy yeah instead of the whole group uh-huh yeah i i don't know it was just something where i was watching and i was like wait what who yeah who is who is this i i don't know let's talk i want to talk about some of the music scenes mm-hmm. i think most of them are like really well done and, mm-hmm. and very exciting and the music's great and there's a lot of good movement everyone looks great everyone's got like you know really cool costumes mm-hmm. on and her going through her outfits and the wardrobe, you know, that was a big part of her style and showing the pageantry mm-hmm. of, of it all, which was really fun to see the bitty bitty bum bum mm-hmm. uh, montage where it's going back and forth between like three different performances. And yeah. They're like intercutting it. That's really fun. That's mm-hmm. like a really good choice. You know, it's that gives a lot of cool, like late 90s music video energy, mm-hmm. which for the most part works. The one thing I will say that like kind of bugged me was that there's that one scene where they're playing that like festival and it was supposed to only have 10,000, but then there was like a hundred thousand people yeah, in Mexico and they had to like calm the crowd down. Mm -hmm. And when she is singing, they do this thing. They do it a few other times in the movie too, but like where she's in the middle of the frame and then on the ends of the frame are like other shots of the crowd or the moon or the scenery. And they're like overlaid on each other. I think the idea with that is to kind of convey this feeling of like when you're at a concert and they have like the monitors Mm -hmm. and how it's like, you're kind of seeing the same thing from like three different angles or something like that. Yeah. On film though, it looks kind of weird. Yeah. I I don't, I don't really like the visualness of it. It kind of looks a little cheap. It definitely is almost dating it a little bit. Like you can tell it's like, all right, that was a 1990s music video technique that doesn't really work here. Mm -hmm. And at times I was just like, no, just, you got some good wide shots here yeah. and you can use those. And when you do use those, it's really good. Like showing the crowd and showing how they're mm-hmm. listening to her and seeing her dancing with the whole band and, uh, you know, going from member to member. And there's a lot of good, like sweeping crane shots. Like you can just lean on that. You don't mm-hmm. have to do this overlay. Like it feels kind of showy and distracting for me. Yeah. I, one thing I noticed, um, I guess like as a kid, you don't really think about it, but as mm-hmm. an adult, you do. Uh, the camera never stops uh-uh, moving. It never stops. Mm-hmm. Especially during, you know, like those chaotic stage collapse scenes and yeah. things like that. You know, I think there was enough stimulation going on with the camera's movements and the angles, like you said, to the point where we don't really need to have like uh-huh. your split screen or anything. 
I'm not sure that it did a whole lot for me that way. Uh-huh. You know, I wouldn't say it necessarily distracted me, but it was just kind of like, I don't I don't need this. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And especially since the camera's always moving, which is, I, I appreciate. And it's not moving in a again, like Elvis, like overstimulating way. Like it, no. it like flows into each other really well in the edit. And they do a good job of making it like, you know, to the beat of the music. Mm-hmm. And that's good. But yeah, that was to me un- unnecessary. And yeah. same with, you know, they do it at the end. Maybe at the end, it actually kind of works with the real footage of her and seeing the visual that they filmed. I understand that a bit more than when she's like, oh, I dream of I look at the moon and I see my dream. And then it's mm-hmm. it's the moon and then it's her on the stage and then it's yeah. his kids. And it's like all at once. And it's like, no, this is you're just filling the frame unnecessarily too mm-hmm. much and that could just be a personal preference it may like not bother anybody but there's like other things in there too like like i said i mentioned like the the late 90s early 2000s slow-mo technique of mm-hmm. like just having it be a regular frame rate and then it's just like frame frame yeah. frame, frame like janky slow-mo that we were obsessed with like back in the day <laughs> which is used a lot in movies of this mm-hmm. era and they use it definitely sparingly here but when they yeah. use it you're it like that to me almost feels that's like the sappy component because mm-hmm. they use it when they get the news that she's passed and they start crying and like you need something to feel as though time has stopped and things have changed. I get it. Mm-hmm. But adding that is this kind of movie flashback, yeah. almost trailer sequence mm-hmm. that is kind of like, all right, this was made in the 90s. I get yeah. it. It, it. It just feels... It, I don't want to say cheap, but like it feels easy. Like it's the easy choice to do. And it, and it, I, it never really worked for me. I mean, I think it was just a popular choice at that time. Uh-huh. Yeah, for sure. One thing I want to ask you about, uh-huh. um, you know, kind of goes back to the ending is they don't do what a lot of films tend to do, which is telling you something like Selena was certified platinum 20 uh-huh. times over. Yeah. Yolanda went to prison with a minimum sentence of 30 years. Like, how do you feel not having that in the end? That's an interesting question. Maybe, again, they're kind of leaning on the fact that this is, when this is coming out, is incredibly recent. Yeah. And so you kind of already know what the outcome is. I'm not sure when she was sentenced, when Yolanda was sentenced, in relation to when this film mm-hmm. came out. I would imagine that she had already been sentenced at that point because it was like, you know, four years after. Um, I don't want to say it's an important part of the genre because there are movies that don't do it and it's fine. Um, But I mean, if you have the you have the vigil, you have the her like the real life footage, they're leaning more on the emotion Mm -hmm. than the information. Yeah. Which I think this movie is doing, which I guess in that sense, I don't want to negate what I was saying about the ending before, but I guess in that sense it does match the rest of the movie because mm-hmm. they're very much leaning more so on the emotion than it is the like the stats factual, of it. Yeah. like checklist history book study guide kind of way of going mm-hmm. about it. I don't really have a strong opinion mm-hmm. on it one way or the other. At that point, most people probably knew that. Right. Obviously that she was incredibly successful with the Grammy nomination or with a Grammy win, excuse me. And then having the English language album and having mm-hmm. dancing with you and, or dreaming of you, excuse me, um, having, you know, all of that success still be fairly well known. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't, it doesn't really bother me. I Mm -hmm. think it's kind of an interesting choice that they didn't do it. Um, but they are just kind of banking on just look at the real person, just Mm -hmm. watch the real person, see how obviously she meant so much to people. There's, uh, I mean, you know, I think some people 
may look at that and go, well, what happened to Yolanda? Like they get so infuriated by the situation that they're like, they maybe want that closure of knowing that some degree of justice was served. Yes. I will say there's sort of a gross feeling watching it now because, you know, they obviously don't include that fact, but it's not like a mystery that she was sentenced to 30 years. Yeah. But watching it last night, I was like, oh, my God. Like, she's up for parole in two years, you know? Like, to watch it, it just gives you kind of, like, a gross feeling inside. And maybe it's aged it a little bit better that you don't have that. Yeah. To Mm -hmm. kind of remind you, like, hey, this person who murdered one of the most popular Tejano singers is um they're about to get out which is pretty crazy to think about for sure and especially i guess then ending like the last time you see yolanda is again when she's in her car like threatening to kill herself you're like yeah all right where does that go like you don't really know and it's kind of just banking on you to go look it up i mean at that point looking things up was a little different for sure um I also want to say that the actress who plays Yolanda is uh, Lupe Ontiveros, um, who was Rosalita in The Goonies. Yes. So always when I saw her, I was like, wait a minute, is that? And I looked, no. I was like, oh, no way. It's her. That's so cool. Um, love her. She's a great character actress. Um, wonderful. And she does a very good job. Like it, perfect casting, because when you first see her, you know, it's like this is, you know, Keith, my manager. And this mm-hmm. is Yolanda who's going to be heading the boutique. You look at her, you're like, oh, yeah, that bitch is going to shoot somebody like you can yeah. totally <laughs> get that feeling of what is like, yeah, that's good casting. I automatically don't trust her. You yeah. Know? She brings this like obsessive quality to yes. her where Selena even has this like feeling of unease mm-hmm. around her where like she wants uh Yolanda wants to be close to Selena, but Selena like mm-hmm. already has so much shit in her life. Um, like when they're at the salon and she's like, oh, is that the right color? And Selena's like, yeah. And it's just kind of like mm-hmm. brushing it off. So you get like that quick moment of tension. Um, I think the intention of her shooting her is a little bit unclear in okay. the film. I think you can fill in the blanks. Mm-hmm. She loves Selena. She had these financial troubles. She obviously was a liar and had like so many trust mm-hmm. issues and legal issues that she needed to go. Obviously, like I guess I, I I guess I maybe again just in my ignorance of not fully reading mm-hmm. up on the situation itself, I could be wrong. But if you're just watching the film, and because then she's so filled with guilt, yeah, I guess I'm just a little curious. I would have liked to see or at least like one more little thing of just seeing mm-hmm. like ah, uh, this is where she makes the leap to make that decision it's it's not portrayed correctly <clears throat> in the film because I mean, there's like little hints you know mm-hmm. subtle hints of why it happened because selena meets up with abraham and he says you know like fans are getting gypped out of what they paid for do they tell you that it's almost one hundred and seventeen thousand dollars worth in today's money of product yeah. no mm-hmm. this is also where i feel like the maybe the scene at the days in could have been a little bit longer because yeah. Selena just went there with the intention of retrieving those records to, to understand how much was taken away from her fan base. You know, they were afraid uh-huh. it was going to hurt her popularity. Right. Yeah. So when she's there, Yolanda made up this convoluted thing about being raped and that's why she needed to meet with her right, and they go right, uh-huh. to a hospital to, 
do a rape test, but they can't do it in that county. So they end up going back to the Days Inn and she asks for the records again. And apparently things escalated. And that's when Yolanda pulled out the revolver and shot her. But like that's not made clear in the movie that Mm -hmm. there was this big lead up to that happening. It just kind of seems like they met up and Yolanda was like, boom, you know, that's not. Yeah, well, because in the film, I, w- I was because I, I didn't read anything going into the movie. because I was like, I just want to see how this is portrayed. And then later. But then I was like, when they there when Yolanda, there's that little aside where she's talking to like some of uh, the other people who like work in the boutique. And it's mm-hmm. like, oh, we're, we're pitching in. We're going to get her a, a gift. We're going to get her a ring. You yeah. know, I was like, oh, why don't you give me the money and I'll go use it and get the ring. And I was like, oh, OK, I know she was I, I knew like a little bit of information about how she was like misusing funds. So I was mm-hmm. like, oh, OK, she's going to use that money and then go like spend it on whatever or get the gun because I thought it was like kind of like this obsessive thing. Mm-hmm. And she was just going to shoot Selena in this kind of Lee Harvey Oswald kind of way or something yeah. like I don't know. And I was just confused because then it's like, oh, she gets the ring and then gives it to her. And that scene is supposed to be nice. I mean, you still kind of feel like, oh, this is a little strange, but you're not like. But she takes credit for the whole thing, takes credit for the whole thing. And you're like, okay, this is going to go somewhere. Mm -hmm. And then we get the information about how she's, you know, been funneling, you know, Mm -hmm. all the stuff from the fan base. And I just think there's a missing piece there. Yeah. Because you you can fill in a little bit, but the intent of her decision to do that, there's a lot surrounding that that they kind of just wash over. Mm -hmm. And I think, again, I understand that you don't want to, you know, go into painstaking detail about that day. If that's your choice, Mm -hmm. that's fine. I need the information. I need yeah. to know how she went from being almost like in love with Selena and wanting to be a part of mm-hmm. the family business and pleading to her. Like when they left her, like uh, she was like, how I trusted you. How could you do this? You know, I, I made a, I made a mistake. I'm sorry to then Selena shot and she's in her car threatening to kill herself yeah. because she's filled with guilt. Like, again, there's something in between those two things mm-hmm. that I think could have easily had the the viewer make the leap from one thing to the next. And that is the most complicated thing about this story too, of where that came from and how it almost comes out of seemingly in history out of nowhere, because Mm -hmm. no one was expecting it obviously. But like I just, as, as a, as a viewer and from an information perspective, and again, from a character and conflict perspective, I need a little bit more. Yeah. I need something else to make sure I understand the whole scope of the mm-hmm. thing. I, I think time again is just the biggest weight yeah. drawing this movie back because you know it's the movie's Selena, right? Yeah. And, and so I think that the idea from an editing perspective was like, let's get the scenes that we feel we absolutely need with this person and get it out of the way. Like because you're just meant to highlight Selena's career, not the horrible ending that it led up to yeah for sure but I I also understand where you know you go from them finding the records to all of a sudden there's a horrible incident at a hospital and you know it's like okay that happened very quickly yeah it's just it's just kind of it's just an interesting choice Mm -hmm. because then that also almost dampens the emotion in a way where it's like I feel the tragedy, but then I'm also like asking myself questions where it's like, wait, okay. So there was the motel and then they were going to go get the records. And it's like, then she got shot. Well, what's the, what happened in between there? Like what? Like I just need, even if it's just newsreel, like voiceover footage Mm -hmm. of like going through and it's like, uh, you know, uh, Yolanda said that she, you know, 
like I know this isn't what happened, but like if it was an accident, let's mm-hmm. just say on hypothetical that like if it was like, oh, she brought it out as a as a as an intimidation tactic and accidentally fired it. I just need that piece of information. Yeah, I know that's not what happened, but like just as an example, mm-hmm. then I'm like, OK, that's how we got there. Just and that leads to the grief and that leads to ex- whatever, just something. Mm-hmm. But to not have that and to even complicate the situation even more. Mm-hmm is a very strange route to go that the pieces aren't all there. Like everything is there in the first act. I just think some of the pacing is a little weird, but you have all of the pieces to set up a really good second act in the first act. Right. And then the third act, it kind of like they, they almost kind of trip over their own feet a little bit. I mm-hmm. think Do you have any other critical points or do you want to move to uh, analysis? I think I'm, I'm good on the analysis. Okay. Let's yeah. go. Let's go to analyze this. It's hard for these movies to like actually get down like and dirty into like, overall themes and meaning because i think that a lot of times it's just there Mm -hmm. just following a person's life and this one obviously is kind of talking about tragedy and um early self-expression i i do think it's interesting again having that ethical or moral question of like is this is are the is the father in the right by doing this because he sees Mm -hmm. such a talent in his kids and wants them to be successful but you know he's obviously putting his own baggage into that because mm-hmm. his music career wasn't successful at all. But I mean, like what, what analysis points, like what are, is a major theme that you like kind of focus on? Do you like take something new away each time? Or is it kind of like, okay, this is like, just take away the same thing. Like, is there, um, is it straightforward for you theme wise? I mean, it seems pretty similar, like the viewing experience to me every time uh-huh. because you know, you're taking a father who, like you said, kind of forced all of the things he ever wanted. I mean, he's living vicariously through his children. Yeah. Right. He, I think, gets very lucky in the aspect that they took such a liking to it. Yeah. Because, like, the family dynamic of, you know, we're in this together. We we all built this together, even though yeah. Abraham's kind of driving the bus literally and figuratively yes. on this. Um like them working as a team is the only reason that this career worked. Mm-hmm. You know, that's like my big takeaway from a professional standpoint of like, this is Selena Elos Dinos. Like she wouldn't be Selena without the Dinos. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Absolutely. And I agree. And I think that, yeah, the team aspect is the, as was the thing I like uh, um, latched onto the most again, mm-hmm. like of it being, family oriented and having them all be their own character, which was great. And I think that, you know, it's not a feeling of we're a family. We stick together. I think it is Mm -hmm. more of a a business team thing. And, you know, they all work because every single component and thing that they bring to the table, like just meshed well together. Mm -hmm. And like you said, yeah, it was, it was incredibly lucky that they actually enjoyed doing it Mm -hmm. (laughs) because at first, obviously like you see in the beginning, they're like, Oh, we don't want to, we don't want to play blue moon. We don't want to, you know, sing whatever, because we, we want to play stuff that's hip. That's now we want to play our stuff, you know? Um, I love in the beginning when they're like, I don't want to play rock. I like to listen to rock and roll, not play it. And then Selena's like, Dad, I like the Eagles. (laughs) Thanks, Selena, for this great input. Um, The fact that they have that they have and need each other to make Mm -hmm. it work. 
and you know you see it on stage like I, I always felt like when I was watching it on stage like I like that there's no conflict where it's like oh well it's just it's the Selena show so everyone's yeah. talking just about Selena like what about like I'm glad that's not a point of conflict mm-hmm. in this movie at all it's very much like they are all supportive of each other and understand that yes Selena may be like the front person of the group but like everyone is working together mm-hmm. and I, I really appreciate that like you even get like in the opening kind of the hectic like back this backstage scene at Houston Astro mm-hmm. Stadium where they're like running around like oh you gotta have this dress like oh you gotta get ready oh what do you think yeah. about this oh what do you think about that like no that won't look that like that's they're all hyping her up and I, yeah. I, I really I like that like that again makes it feel you know I, I gives like another layer of emotion I, I will say that like Abraham as a character and I assume as a father is kind of doom and gloom because when they're kids he's like female Tejano singers are not a thing yeah this shouldn't work out for you you Uh know it's very much like if this goes anywhere you are lucky yeah for sure and again that is kind of the very upfront and clear theme just like stated to you Mm -hmm. of like isn't it cool that a woman is doing this now. Like cool that women can sing. Yeah. That's like insane. Like they didn't know that in 1984, you know, like, um, which obviously is a very real thing. And, uh, you know, but it's, it's so clear and in your face that like, again, they're trying to make it digestible for mainstream audiences to Mm -hmm. be like, here's what our themes are. Isn't it cool that this, you know, performer was like, you know, an incredibly like maybe the most successful, um, Tejano Mexican singers like Mm -hmm. ever. And the fact that she blazed a trail for so many people and was so popular and how like, you know, word spreads about her when she's at the mall and everyone's like, Oh, Selena's here. Oh my God. And like the people at the food court are like, fuck these orders. I'm going to see (laughs) Selena. (laughs) It's just very fun. Um, and, Again, like focusing on how hopeful she was Mm -hmm. and, you know, she had big dreams and wanted to sing for everybody. And, you know, it's tragic that, you know, she lost um, lost her life so soon. And they really do, again, hammer that home with certain characters being like like when she's performing at one point and then uh, her dad is talking to two business guys and it's like, we want to do an English language you know, Mm -hmm. uh, album, you know, absolutely. It's gonna, it's gonna go platinum. It's Mm -hmm. gonna, she's gonna get Grammys. She's like on her way. This we found the next Gloria. Gloria. She's on the rise. Like she can only go up from here. And obviously then if you know, like what happens, you're like, all right, they're clearly drawing attention to that to make you feel even more sadness for what happens Mm -hmm. later, as opposed to just like, you know, having basic human emotion to understand that that's sad. Mm -hmm. Um, so the movie definitely like wears its themes on its sleeve, which yeah. I think you'll probably f- will find throughout this series that most of mm-hmm. these movies do that. Um, but this one, I think, is one of the more straightforward ones that we're going to be talking about. Right. I think another kind of like hinted theme that's maybe not it's like obvious, but not obvious because, you know, the idea of like her, you know, what she could have been. Right. Yeah. Like that's very common in young tragedies. Uh-huh. But there's also the like, be careful who you trust kind of thing uh-huh. going on in the background. But that doesn't come in until like the third act with Yolanda. Right. Like that idea does not come into play until she does. Right. Because I guess like you kind of have the sense of it when Chris shows up because you're like, you don't really know about this guy. Mm-hmm. And when she, you know, just as again, just kind of as our 
modern conventions of relationships when she's like, I love him. We want to get married. And she's, you know, like 20 or whatever. Mm -hmm. You're kind of like, okay, yeah, of course. That's what you want to do. Like, again, because of just the stigma of younger relationships and young love, you kind of are you put that off in your head of like, oh, she can't trust this guy. Mm -hmm. He's got ulterior motives. Then he obviously turns out to be very sweet and very supportive and Mm -hmm. is totally fine. But again, that that theme, I don't think fully connects. Yeah. You know, there should have been some other thing or -hmm. some other conflict in the first act or early in the second that shows that of trusting others and um, either an oversight on the family, like just focusing on the success and focusing on how they are perceived because yeah. that is another thing of like, you know, we're Mexican-Americans, we you know, German-Americans and Italian-Americans, they're accepted everywhere. Mm-hmm. But we, you know, have to eat the scraps in Mexico and we get nothing in America. And like, that's interesting, you know, that. Mm-hmm. But again, you know, they don't really carry it through. Like they, there should have been something again in like in the earlier part of the movie about trusting people and yeah. how their focus on how they're perceived and what they're doing and what they want to do mm-hmm. got in the way of focusing on what was going on around them. Yeah. You know, that could have been something interesting. You know, there could have been something along those lines of like, there was a guy, we thought we could trust him. And like, you almost could do it with like when their bus breaks down and the two guys yeah. like pull over to help him. And that obviously turns out to be like totally fine. Mm-hmm. But like, there's no real point where you're like, or a character's like, oh, what if they what if they weren't as nice? What if something could have mm-hmm. happened? Or what if something did happen? You know? Um, something along those lines mm-hmm. to set that theme up. As opposed to, again, the third act is very rushed in its ideas yeah. that don't really connect to the rest of the story. It falls kind of flat again. And I, I wish that theme, that theme could have been interesting, mm-hmm. you know? And again, putting, like, conflict of these morals of yeah. we're focused so much on how we want to be perceived as individuals and obviously as a family in our success and as being, you know, Mexican-Americans and proud of where we've come from and our success story, but not focusing on others around them, mm-hmm. right? But they don't really do it, Do you think maybe we're just desensitized to it? Think about how many Hispanic singers mm-hmm. are so popular yeah. now for us. Yeah. I mean, in 1989, 1990, like that's just a different time as far as female specifically popularity goes in the music industry for that specific demographic. Yeah. Like to us it's like, well, yeah, you know, right. obviously. Yeah. But maybe we're not seeing it as strongly as people may have in 1997 when it first came out as a theme. Yeah, that's entirely possible. I mean, and the fact that, you know, just being desensitized to most even just like conventions of this genre and having seen so many and having access to so much music Mm -hmm. and people's careers and, you know, their trajectories just with social media and just online presence and just understanding that in 2022, obviously, is like completely different Mm -hmm. than what it was back in the late 80s, early 90s. For sure, that is total possibility and probably is you know that's a bias mm-hmm. on both our parts um i guess i'm just thinking in terms of like the drama setting of like it could have been cool because like again you can set up even if you're going through some of the beats of things that actually happened mm-hmm. this is a dramatization yeah add a little bit of your own flair to it and maybe they didn't want to risk making this family seem ignorant and i yeah. think they succeeded 
I don't I don't think anyone in this family is like supposed to be perceived or is um actually perceived as being dumb or they make a mm-hmm. dumb decision or they um fail because of their ignorance. They're no they're not just signing their life away to some random grifter. Mm-hmm. You know, there's nothing like that. And I think that's successful. And that was a right way to go. And that's an understandable fear because mm-hmm. you really don't want that. If that happened, this movie goes sideways. Oh, yeah. And it would have been bad. But, you know, I think that making the characters a bit more complex where it's like, yeah, we kind of made mistakes. Mm-hmm. And there was some moments where I could have been focusing on something else and not have trusted this person. But I was really focused on I, I am very passionate about fashion design. I you know want to get my own line out there. And because of that, I didn't see all of these um, other factors of this person. Mm-hmm. And could you possibly risk again, you know, it being like, how could she not have seen this mm-hmm. and didn't telegraph? Like, but I, I don't know. It, yes, it's a it's a shaky line. It's like a very, a very gray area and it's a tough line to walk. But like it could have been interesting to try mm-hmm. and like add a bit more conflict between you know, the family and uh, again, reflecting on it after her death to add again a, a bit more of a closing moment. Like a hindsight. Hindsight sort of kind thing. of thing or like just some moment of change in the character. Yeah. Reflecting back on everything because again, the third act just kind of ends. Mm-hmm. It's tough to story critique this and just be like, well, they could have done this because they could have done a million things. Right. But since we're talking about themes that are already presented and themes that they try to present in the third act that's what kind of makes them not that strong because the third act is so short there had to have been a certain level of i mean in reality right like um like too much trust being put into somebody or some degree of ignorance because thinking about it now i mean we're almost the same age like when she Mm -hmm was killed is pretty much the same age as me right now. Right. I know if I was at that level of fame and had so many people around me pulling me in so many different directions, I probably wouldn't think about certain things either. True. You know? Yeah. So, I mean, I I can't say it would be inappropriate to have something like that in there because every 23-year-old slips up at some point, right? Yeah, definitely. So, you know, in this series, we usually end uh, each episode asking how why you love this movie and how it adds to your love of the film medium we're going to be doing something different for this series our final question is going to be what can we learn about real life from this movie and as a movie that is you know obviously very close to your heart and it's something you've grown up with i want you to go first what is it about this movie what do you take away about life i mean music no matter what form it comes in has such a big lasting impact it doesn't matter if someone has had 30 years in the career or five, Uh you know, where they leave their legacy affects a certain group of people or, you know, a growing group of people. Really, if we think about it, her popularity has only expanded over the years. Yeah. Like the influence that she has in today's music is just as effective as it was back then. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I I totally agree with that. And I think that, um, you know, it's a sad reality also that like, uh, tragedy and death only Mm -hmm. makes some gives more attention to -hmm. something and you know she was already extremely popular and you know this attention on how tragic her life ended and how uh sudden it was Mm -hmm. made people really appreciate her even more 
And, you know, that's happened with many artists over the years. Um, and that is not a, a trend that's going to go away anytime soon. Mm-hmm. But and it is sad. But at the same time, you're like, oh, I'm glad people are going back and listening to this person. It's like, you know, when David Bowie died, like he had so many like I went back and listened to so many mm-hmm. of David Bowie's albums like again and or Prince or any number of artists that have passed away even recently or before, like news of someone's death, like really, you know, makes you go back and uh, revisit their Mm -hmm. music, which, you know, I'm sure there's a bigger conversation to be had about like, you know, is that real uh, admiration for someone or like, you know, whatever, but it's true. And I'm glad that, you know, Selena is, you know, continued to be, a presence in people's lives you know her music is wonderful for me it, it's kind of the basic answer but it is like you know the frailty of life and how mm-hmm. sudden it can end and loving those around you because i i loved the family aspect of mm-hmm. this movie and uh even though the movie itself i didn't think was super emotionally impactful it was still they highlighted the idea of like she had so much to do. She had so much going on. She had loving relationships in her family and, um, you know, had a lot of admirations or aspirations and was determined to get there. And so, you know, as a young artist, you know, I, I have the same feelings and mm-hmm. how unpredictable life is can you know be very scary. And uh, you want to try and make the most of it because of how fragile life is and it can be taking taken away in such a quick fashion um so it it may sound basic but i mean that is kind of the story here mm-hmm. right you know it is kind of to make you reappreciate your own life and those around you and especially since death is such a prominent part and well-known part of this story mm-hmm. it's hard to not leave this movie and be like all right i'm a little bit more i should be more <laughs> thankful for the stuff that i have and yeah. try and um you know keep my goals and keep my passion and determination for them without having just this fear of like, what if my life ends one day? And it's like, well, okay, mm-hmm. well, if, if that happens and I, I can, I should at least say that I tried, Yeah, you know, and again, not to just make it about me, but like, you know, the, that's kind of what you, what I was thinking of when it was mm-hmm. ending. I was like, ah, oh. you just kind of just have to keep moving yeah, and accept the fact that there is a frailty and, uh, you know, life is so sparse at that point. Mm-hmm. You're just like, all right, well, I just gotta keep going one step at a time. And so, I, I really enjoyed this movie. I, 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 I thought I thought I think it's a good a good starting point for us. You know what I mean? <laughs> I agree. And I also, you know, one thing I wanted to mention too is growing up in a very white community. Yeah. Um, with a, a Hispanic family, like no other kids that I know of in school were gonna sing Como la Flor, but like to me, having something culturally significant in a music realm, like obviously, you know, I have like the J Lo's that I grew up with. Yeah. But to see someone who started out singing purely in Spanish and then mm-hmm. made the crossover into, you know, an American album, like that made me feel a little bit closer to my culture when it totally. was so lackluster in the mm-hmm. community I grew up in. Yeah. No, that's really beautiful. I love yeah. that. Uh, any final thoughts on Selena? I just love this movie. That's all I've got. (laughs) (laughs) I love that you love this movie. Um, So that's it, guys. That's it for uh, today's episode of Frankly, I Love Movies in the Real World. We've got 
some banging episodes oh, yeah. coming uh, coming at you. We're going to do eight episodes for this season. Uh, as I said up top, be sure to go follow us on social media. Frankly, I love movies on Instagram and Facebook. We've got like a good hodgepodge of films here. We got some music stuff. We got some crime stuff. We got some sports stuff, like lots yeah. of across the board. It, it was hard to narrow down which ones we were going to talk about. It was very hard to narrow it down. Because, there, because there's so many. Because then it's like, all right, are we, do we want to talk about just like, you can't just do the classic ones. Right. You know, you got to kind of, you know, you have some personal faves, but like you kind of want to go into some of the more well-known ones mm-hmm. and deconstruct those. And so it's it's tough to... It was really tough to narrow it down, but I think we got we got a good mix of, of a yes. bunch of ones. So keep your guesses broad, both in years and in themes, mm-hmm. as yeah, far as movies go. Yeah, we're spanning, like, I think, from the 70s to the 20... 2010s. Yeah, yeah like late, late 2010s. 2010s. So it's a, it's a wide... Uh, a wide timeline of films mm-hmm. that we're going for, which is very fun. And obviously going, it's going to make for some uh, good comparisons uh, mm-hmm. throughout. So uh, be on the lookout for that. Uh, so until then, I'm Josh Wall. And I'm Lexi Cutmore. Frankly, I love movies. And frankly, I love true stories. <laughs> <laughs>